The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. But today we're hearing from Michael Rhodes from a few scriptures, but I will read one that he'll focus on, Ephesians 4, 28, if you'd like to look at that with me. And it reads, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This is the word of God. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you. Uh, For some reason, uh, Richard asked me to talk about a kingdom approach to work. This is ironic for me because at heart, I have always recognized I was an extremely lazy person. Uh, If you knew my father, he could tell you lots of stories about trying to get me to work uh, and how he failed at that. And because of his failures to get me to work, (laughs) uh, I'm sure he'll love that when he listens to the tape. Uh, One of my first memories of working was on a fairly poorly conceived missions trip to Mexico. Now, what what made this um, poorly conceived was that it involved sending a bunch of... uh, as we say in South Memphis, bougie, uh, upper-middle-class white folks who never worked very much in their lives, down to Mexico, a place with a lot of capable, unemployed adults, uh, to lay concrete floors, okay? And if you can't see the irony there, I can't help you, all right? Uh, that's a different sermon. But uh, I, even though this was sort of poorly conceived, I'll never forget how rewarding it felt to really work hard, you know, to labor together with others, to create something that was valuable and important, you know? And we were laying concrete floors, and so we were sweating, and you get the concrete on you, and it's burning, you're like, it's all for Jesus, you know, it's great. I'll never forget that feeling. And I'll also never forget the feeling I got the next year when I found out that the missionary group that went the next year spent their week tearing up the floor that we had laid down. Sometimes work that we feel good about, on closer inspection we wonder, was that really meaningful at all? What was the point? Maybe some of you have had a similar experience where the work that you labored after was undone. And you wondered, why? What's it all about? So this morning, we're going to keep talking about what does work look like when Jesus is on the throne? What does kingdom work look like? And I thought Rocky did an incredible job of getting us started last week. He reminded us that we are made in the image of a God who is himself a worker. The original worker is God, and we are made in his image to work like him. And even though sin has made work be kind of a downer at times, it's still part of God's good purposes for our life. So building on that message from last week, I want to begin our reflections with this little passage from Ephesians 4. Now, in Ephe- by the time you get to Ephesians 4, Paul is talking about what's the difference? What difference does Jesus make to every area of our lives? And most of it's pretty churchy, you know, it's like be nice to each other and talk right to each other, that kind of thing. But then in 28, we get this one line. Let the one who's stealing stop stealing, but instead do something good with their own hands so that they may have something to share with those who are in need. Now, I'm not starting here because I want to talk about work for people who've been stealing. That's, that's not the point that I want to chase down. I want to ask, what does this one line tell us about what Paul thinks work will do for these people who've been stealing? It's interesting what he does not say. He does not say, let the one who's stealing stop stealing so that he can work hard and get off the welfare system and quit being a drain on society. He doesn't say that. 
And he doesn't say, let the one who's been stealing stop stealing and start working so that he can, you know, have, you know, a nice house, a car in the driveway, a white picket fence. That's not what he says. He says, let the one who's been destroying the community stop that and start working so that he may have something to share. In other words, Paul envisions work as the means by which everybody contributes their gifts to the community. When you think about a community where everybody's given their gifts to the community, what I picture is a potluck. You know, in a potluck, every single person brings a plate. That plate gets shared with everybody who eats, and every single person receives the plates from everybody else. That's a picture of the church that Paul's talking about. A family where everybody brings a plate to share. And I'm not talking about some white millennial potluck, you know, the kind where you like pick up potato salad from Kroger on the way there. That's not the potluck I'm talking about. I'm talking like a potluck like we do in South Memphis, you know, where it's got like ribs and spaghetti and steak and chicken and there are vegetables, but they've got bacon in them. Okay, that's the kind of potluck I'm talking about. I'm talking about a potluck where our own Lisa Conrad brings a plate. And you can tell that that plate she brings is the best plate of the week. The one that took the most time and the most investment. And the point is that you give it in community. You see, sometimes we come to church, we come to the community of faith, and we don't think we have anything to offer. Maybe some of you, when you heard this series on work, you thought, man, I don't, I don't want to talk about work. Work has been miserable for me. I've always struggled with work. I'm never, I can't keep a job. Maybe some of you thought, I've got a disability. I can't even do work. I'm sick. I can't, I can't work. Brothers and sisters, what kingdom work is about is about the fact that God invites and expects all of us in different ways to give his gifts that he's given to us back to his family. It's about us bringing a plate to the potluck. So I want to tell you, if you're here and you don't think like you're a participant, you don't think you have anything to offer, I want you to know that it is the commitment of this church to be a congregation where we are looking for everybody to bring a plate. For everybody to bring the best of what God's given them and to share it in community. That's really good news. It's also hard news because some of us don't want to give our gifts in community, right? Some of us don't want to aim our work at the potluck. We work to get what we want for ourselves. And Paul's telling us that providing for ourselves and our family, as important that is, is just one step to the greater fulfillment that you have enough left over to have something to share. And some of us, when we come to church, you know, we treat church kind of like a drive-through. It's like I'll take a side of positive encouragement with, you know, an order of uh, Holy Spirit filling over there. And we just kind of expect to show up and take and receive. And we talk about, I want, I want to get fed. I need to go to a church where I get fed. Well, what Ephesians 4 teaches us is that the way that we get fed is by all feeding one another with God's God-given gifts, given in community. And that's what work is all about. So work, we want to start out by saying, work is aimed, the kingdom work, work that acknowledges God as king is work aimed at the potlucking people of God. It's work that gives the best of our gifts in community. But second of all, kingdom work aims at reconciling all things. Both Ephesians 4.28 and my Mexico story make it clear that sometimes we're confused about what constitutes good work, right? Paul says, do something good. Well, what is good? Obviously, he doesn't think stealing is good. What else is not good and what else is good? What makes good work good? And I think if we really want to hear how Paul would answer that question, we leave Ephesians and we go over to Colossians. 
And we learn that in, from Colossians 1.15 that Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, is reconciling all things in heaven and on earth through his blood. In other words, Paul understands that we don't just have a spiritual problem. So kingdom work isn't just work that addresses spiritual things. We have a sin problem, and that problem plays itself out in a million ways. We see brokenness in the way we view ourselves. We see brokenness in our relationships with one another. We see brokenness in the way we think about God. We see brokenness in our relationship with the natural world. We get sick and we die. And we see problems and pain. And for just a second, I want you to think about all the things that are terrible about the world that you live in. You know what God says? He's made it His work to fix all of that by His blood. To go into broken classrooms and broken neighborhoods and broken homes and broken sinners and say, this is mine. And when I'm on the throne, I'm in the business of putting things back together. God's work is reconciling all things. And so what is good work? I would suggest to you that good work is work in which we participate with Christ and reconciling all things. Work that is good is work that participates with Christ in reconciling all things. How does that happen? Once again, it doesn't just happen uh, among teachers and ministers and missionaries. It happens everywhere. And I want to spend some time talking about all the different ways that work can participate in reconciliation. Or some of them. I won't get to all of them. Uh, Some of you who may have been dreading this sermon series on work have had jobs that were very difficult. Maybe you were stuck in a hot kitchen Maybe the work was unsteady. Maybe the, the pay wasn't great. Maybe you spent a lot of time on an assembly line and your gifts and creativity weren't utilized the way that they should have been. And you wonder, how could reconciliation happen there? But brothers and sisters, when we go in and in our workplace, we bear witness to Jesus by being like him. When we love our coworkers who are also suffering in those same places, when we work hard to do our part, so that they don't have to do more, when we take care of customers, when we make good products, all of these things are being like Jesus, making our workplaces feel more like Jesus is there. And that's reconciling work. That's kingdom work, as much as any missionary endeavor. It's not just when we work hard, though. Oftentimes, uh, our work will allow us to help others. I thought of one of our church members here, Rhoda Baines, who not only works nights at FedEx, but she works days as a caregiver. And in her role as a caregiver, she helps a man who's in a wheelchair because of a physical disability. And she does that with joy and kindness. She treats him with dignity. And she makes his life better by the way she works hard in her job. And you know what the result is? Now that man, whose name is Willie, comes to church here sometimes. Comes to community group. And we find out that Willie is also a great guy. And he's good with kids. And my kids love hanging out with him. And all of a sudden, Rhoda's commitment to kingdom work, pursuing reconciliation in her workplace, in a mundane job, has allowed another person to bring their gifts to the potluck. Our work gives us opportunities to serve other people like Christ has served us. I think of what work did for my neighbor, Sophie. For 16 years, Sophie Fields, who some of you may have known, uh, worked across the street. She lived across the street from me, uh, but she worked for 16 years in the school system as a janitor. If ever there was a job that we are tempted to think, man, that's not kingdom work. Maybe it's being a janitor. But Sophie did that work for 16 years, and for 16 years it allowed her to be the most stable person in her family, 
constantly taking care of an army of nieces and nephews and aunts and sisters and cousins. It allowed her to be the most stable person on our end of the street, constantly encouraging and challenging and loving neighborhood kids who didn't have quite as stable people in their lives. And it gave her an opportunity to act like Jesus. And so at her work, she bore witness to Christ's love for her. And I tell you that church, I mean, uh, school administrators, teachers, students, everybody knew Sophie's name and they knew she loved Jesus because of the way that Sophie loved them, even in a job that most of us would be tempted to think is very far from kingdom work. She was doing work every bit as kingdom oriented as any missionary or pastor. And she did it in the school system, pushing a broom. Some of us uh, take our work to hard places. Uh, our, our friend Phil, um, uh, is, who's just joined the church within the last six months, is a lawyer, Phil Harvey, and has chosen to be a lawyer at, in the public defender system to stand up for people who typically get worse representation because they can't afford legal representation. When we take our work to particularly hard places, we are participating in Christ's reconciliation. And as that courtroom looks a little bit more like it would if Jesus were in there, Phil and others like him are doing kingdom work. You MTR and TFA and all you teachers who choose to teach in schools that are harder to serve in, you are bringing, you are making your classrooms feel a little bit more like Jesus is there. That's kingdom work. Some of you uh, may not be in a job... And so you didn't find yourself in any of those examples I just gave. But whether you get paid or not, when you use your gifts and abilities to contribute to the potluck and participate in Christ's reconciliation, you're doing kingdom work. Parents, when you raise your children, think about what we said this morning. When you raise your children and you raise up a generation that loves Jesus and that knows the old story of God bringing his people out of slavery and into the promise, when you raise children who turn the other cheek and are committed to the Lord and are good neighbors and who tell others and welcome others in and care for the hurting, you are doing kingdom work. That is the mission of God going forward. And all across Scripture, we see a huge part of the people of God's work is to say to the next generation, our God rescued us when we were enslaved. And he will rescue you, and he will lift you up. That is kingdom work, folks. And when you do that in a hard, difficult environment to raise children or grandchildren or invest in children that aren't yours, you are doing the work of the kingdom, even though you never get a paycheck for it. That's kingdom work. Students, all you students, everybody who's a student, look up here for a second. I'm talking to you guys. Maybe you think, man, I can't work because I'm, I'm in school. Do you guys have stuff that you don't like about the world? Real talk. Do you have stuff that you don't like about the world? Do you look out and think, I'm sick of people dying of disease, or I'm sick of people getting, you know, hurt in my community, or I don't like the way the legal system works, or I don't, I don't even like the way uh, my iPhone works, and I think it could be better. Do you, is, there, is there anything that you don't like about the world? Do you know that in school you have the opportunity to invest, to become people capable of going into the world and saying, our God owns this too. Our God owns this iPhone. Our God owns this neighborhood. Our God owns this police system. Our God owns this educational system. Our God owns this church. And school is an opportunity for you to invest in those gifts so you can give better plates at the potluck for the rest of your life. You may not get paid for it, but being a student is can be a part of this kingdom work. Some of you are neighbors. I think of... Betty Isom and Betty Massey on my street, both of whom have had, and and, uh, Betty still does have, 
a job that pays the bills. But you know what another part of their work is? It's being an incredible neighbor. I mean, I cannot tell you as someone who's moved on to Tate Avenue the difference that it makes to have Betty and Betty living there. They are a light. They are an encouragement. They are a support. Betty Isom, guys, she welcomes so many people into her house that she's run out of beds, and so now she has a tent pitched next to her house so that she can welcome people when there are no more beds in her own home. That's the way one of your church members is doing kingdom work, and she's never going to get paid for it. Being a neighbor. Volunteering here. Some of you who are maybe uh, struggling with disability or sickness or disease or you can't find a job. I've seen folks uh, struggling with those same things in this community set up the chairs and bring food and minister the gospel to others. And in all of those ways, as you serve this congregation, you are doing kingdom work. So, kingdom work is kingdom work when it aims at the potluck and when it aims at reconciliation. But if reconciliation is the goal of our work, it's also the standard by which our work is judged. And so the bad news is, while our, anywhere that we work, anywhere that we serve, can be a site of experiencing Christ's reconciliation, often we fall short. Uh, my friend Andrew Vincent pointed out a bumper sticker to me one time. It said, uh, they pretend to pay me, I pretend to work. Okay? Did you get, is that like a way homer? They pretend to pay me, I pretend to work. Okay? When we go into the workplace and we slack off, which puts more work on our colleagues, puts more work on our customers... Right? We make that workplace feel less like Jesus is there. And we fall short of reconciliation. Parents, when we go with the flow, when we care more about raising good Americans than we do people who look like the crucified Messiah, we're falling short of reconciliation. Uh, when I'm, you know, I'm a man and a father, and I'm about as unpassive a person as they come, there's one area that makes me want to be passive, and it's parenting. So dads, when we become passive... When we become absent emotionally or physically or spiritually, we fall short of the reconciliation that God has called us to. But also, when we get back to our jobs, we're going to find places where we are falling short of this reconciliation that God has designed to take place at work. Sometimes we'll find ourselves in uh, careers uh, where... and Well, no, no, let me start, let me start that over. Any career that you find, any job that you are in, any place that you get a paycheck, you're going to find stuff that that feels like Jesus, and you're going to find stuff that doesn't. And too often, the church goes to work, and we look at tough moral questions, and we say, hey, it's just a paycheck. It's just my job. Or maybe we say, I just got to do what I got to do. And we fail to hold up our work to the standard of Christ's reconciliation. Uh, John Yoder, writing about this, I'm going to summarize this quote a little bit says that the, 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 the duty of Christians in the workplace is not just to do excellence in their various jobs. He says, The specific ministry of the Christian banker will include finding ways to bear witness to the Jubilee. The Christian task for the realtor and the developer won't be to just make houses that are nice and turn a profit, but to find ways to create housing for those who are homeless. The Christian judge will open the court system to conflict resolution procedures and resist the trend toward more and more litigation. This is being done. Listen to this. In every job, technical expertise will be required to go into our workplaces and to plant signs of the new world amidst the ruins of the old. 
It is the task of the church to go into the school and say, this part of education doesn't look like Jesus reigns, so we're going to change it. It is the task of the church to go into banking and finance and say, this part of banking and finance doesn't look like Jesus reigns, so we're going to change it. In every career, part of our job is to sniff out where reconciliation isn't happening and to participate in it. And if we fail, we're failing to be all that we ought to be and do all that we ought to do as kingdom workers. Sometimes we'll find that our jobs can't be redeemed. Predatory lenders right now intentionally trap poor people in car lo- title loans, payday loans. There are predatory colleges in our community right now that intentionally trap people in high-cost, subpar education. There are car dealerships who don't make money unless they repo the car over and over and over again. And while I just named a bunch of businesses that mainly happen in poor neighborhoods, we have seen in the last few years that the failure to pursue justice and mercy at the height of our financial system among the elite led to an enormous housing crisis that has devastated our community. Whatever your job is, there are places where we are called to say, this isn't right, this doesn't look like Jesus. And if we want to do kingdom work, it will require us to make that the standard. But thirdly, kingdom work doesn't just aim at the potluck, it doesn't just aim at reconciliation, it also avoids idolatry. And to understand how work presents a particular challenge with idolatry, we need to remind ourselves how idolatry actually works. So let's go back to the Old Testament for a second. And if you're like me, and you, you know, you've been in church for a while, you read your Bible, and you hear about like the Baals, right? Like Israel goes after the Baals. And the image that we get is like Israel's got this super awesome God who's like in a pillar of cloud, and then somebody comes up with like a little statue and says, here's Baal, and all the Israelites go, ooh, that's pretty, I want to worship that. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would they go after this stupid little tiny statue? That doesn't, that's ridiculous. Well, let me tell you why they went after the statue. It's because if you went around the nations around Israel and said, tell me about Baal, this is what they'd say. Baal is the God who rides on the storm clouds. Baal is the God who brings the rain and the dew. When Baal shows up, the rivers run with wine, and the cows get fat, and the kids are healthy. In other words, Baal's the one who delivers the economic goods. And if you were a poor Israelite farmer who depended on the rain and the dew, and you heard that this guy over here could deliver the goods, you might be tempted to try to get to know him. And don't forget, guys, that never, as far as I can tell, did the Israelites ever say, eh, forget God, we're just going to hang out with Baal. No, 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 no. They kept going to church. They paid their tithes. They did the happy, clappy stuff. Right? They just added Baal worship as a rider on their insurance policy to make sure that if God couldn't deliver the goods, maybe Baal could. You see, when we worship idols, what we do is we give something besides King Jesus, our worship and our allegiance and our work and our trust, because we think that that thing, whatever it is, can deliver the goods. And in our day and age, work presents one of the perennial opportunities to idolatry. You know why? I can think of at least two reasons why. One, most of us vest all of our economic security in our work. If you ask us, uh, we, when we can say all, all day long that God's a provider, 
But we sure as heck want him to be a provider with us having a good job and a good education and a good career. Thank you very much. And there better be something going into the 401k. And the thought of allowing God to be the provider by taking a lower paying job or if we lost our job is almost unthinkable. And because our security is actually in our work, we invest endless time and energy. We become workaholics. We sacrifice our families. We invest all of this stuff that should belong to God in our work to try to get that idol to provide. And the Bible teaches that the idol is mute and deaf, that it is incapable of providing what we need. It cannot deliver the goods. And it doesn't just leave us empty. It leaves us far away from Jesus and broken. It breaks us. And some of us have experienced that in the workplace. But, you know, like as a non-profit person, I kind of like that message. I'm like really happy to give all you bad money makers that message, you know. Ha! Gotcha. There's a worse message for me, though, is that you don't have to try to get economic security from your job. Us mission people, if we're honest, find that too often we get our meaning and our purpose and our self of identity from being helpers, from being non-profit people, from being missionaries and church folk. You know, the truth is, I have lost sleep when my neighbors have lost jobs or been mistreated in the court system. Not because my heart is broken over that injustice, because it threatens my ability to wake up in the morning and go, I'm a successful helper. That's who I am. That's why I matter. My wife has had her heart broken in the classroom, both because she cares about those kids and because she, at times, is tempted to invest her identity in being a great urban school teacher. And you know what? Some days the kids are just terrible. And we feel empty and broken and miserable because we haven't been worshiping God. We've been worshiping the mission. And it leaves us empty. And it breaks us. And when the idols capture our hearts, we cannot call that work kingdom work. Kingdom work aims at the potluck. It aims at reconciliation. It avoids idolatry. But how can it be so important and avoid idolatry? How do we even do that? Well, the Bible gives us a very clear answer. Our work can occupy our our, our emotions and our hearts and our time without being idolatry when and only when our work flows out of Jesus' own work. Walk with me here. Last week, Rocky painted a beautiful picture of Adam standing in a garden ruling and reigning over creation through his work. But when John wrote his gospel in the New Testament, he gives us the picture of a Jesus who finishes his work on the sixth day on the cross, who takes a day off and rests in the tomb on the seventh day, and on the first day of a new week, stands resurrected in a garden and is mistaken by a gardener. And N.T. Wright suggests that this is not accidental, but that what John is doing is saying, here, here is the new Adam. This is what humanity looks like. And his resurrection is like a stone that falls in a pond and the ripples go out. And when we see him, we see a picture of the world made new. And now he's saying, I'm about to get to work. I'm about to claim it all. And you know what? When the new Adam stands in a new garden and gets about to his resurrection work, you know what he does? He brings you and I with him to participate. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, you are God's workmanship created in that Jesus for good works, prepared in advance to do. 
the only good that you have ever done, brothers and sisters in Christ, the only thing that you have ever done that bears the, the label kingdom, you have done because God created it for you in Him. He put it there for you to walk into. And that's true whether you did a great job creating a new product at work, or you led someone to faith on the corner, or you're an incredible neighbor, or you set up the chairs in this church. All that good work is yours because He made you for it. And we can only experience it as kingdom work when our work flows out of His work. That is good news. We don't labor towards God's approval. We labor from God's approval. We labor as people united to Jesus, working with Him. And again, if I haven't made the point, please don't think that only happens among the missionaries and the church folk. I love the church folk, but I think they already get this a lot of time, us church workers. But when I was thinking about this, what's it look like to have your work flow out of Christ's work? I thought of my friend Donald. Uh, Donald is like that dude who was stealing in Ephesians 4. Uh, he was a uh, uh, career felon, uh, living on the street, addict, came to know Jesus. Came to know Jesus. Jesus rescued him. And he came to Advance Memphis, an organization that I used to work for, and, and Advance helped him find a job where he could give his gifts. And he worked hard, and he acted like Christ in the workplace, and so he got promoted, and he got better jobs. And they said, no, this isn't enough. And he started a lawn care business. And on the last night of our launch class, Donald said, I want to run this lawn care business so I can provide a hundred jobs to people in my neighborhood so they won't have to turn to stealing and selling drugs because they think that's their only choice. And today, Donald not only adds significant revenue to his life by running that business, he employs people who otherwise wouldn't have a shot He treats his customers and his neighbors and his friends like Jesus. He does an incredible job. You can tell he takes pride in his work. And and when I look out the window, I see a man who is doing kingdom work in a profession that many in the world would say isn't very important at all. And through that kingdom work, he is giving his gifts to the potluck in so many ways. But here's one that's close to my heart, and it's on the screen, or should be. Those are my two boys, Isaiah and Ames, four and three. And they're dressed up like Donald in that picture. So if you ask my kids, some days, what do you mean when you grow up? They're going to say, we want to be like Donald. Why? Because they see when someone comes alive in Christ and their work is aimed at reconciliation, aimed at the potluck, aimed at the kingdom. Folks, the incredible news that I want to leave you with, that is almost unimaginable, that you're not going to believe even when I tell you, no matter what, is this. Paul elsewhere tells us that, and this is from uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 9 through 15, that we are God's co-workers. When we do this, when we work for him, we are his colleagues. We share office space with God. And we build on the foundation which is his son Jesus. And then he says this, he says, uh, if any man builds on this foundation, which is Jesus, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day, that's the day of the Lord, the day when Jesus returns, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. Don't miss it. Paul just said that when our work flows out of Christ, it makes it through to the other side. 
that when Jesus returns and says, Behold, I bring you a new heavens and a new earth, that new creation will be built with bricks that you and I start making right now. When you are out there working hard in a difficult environment, respecting those around you, caring for those around you, even though you aren't getting paid enough, you're building a stone that God will use to make that gold pathway we're always hearing about. When you love kids in your classroom, even though they're difficult, you are contributing to the the building materials of the kingdom of God. Anywhere that you go out, raising kids, raising a family, loving your neighbors, serving this church, anywhere that our work flows out of Christ, towards the potluck, towards reconciliation, God tells us our work makes it through. He uses it to build His kingdom. You have an opportunity through your work to create real estate in the eternal, glorious new heavens and new earth. Or to not. Because the day that Jesus comes will test the work that we do. So brothers and sisters, in love with our King, inspired by His kingdom, committed to His community, let us labor at the work He has put before us. That we might contribute to the eternal kingdom that He will bring when He returns. Let's pray. Jesus, We do not deserve this. We sure as heck don't deserve salvation, God, but on top of rescuing us from hell, you have recruited us to share office space with you, Lord, and it is just beyond us. It is more than we deserve. Jesus, would you make us dependent on you? Would you capture our hearts? Would you draw us to desire you and your kingdom above all else? Would you work in and through us for your glory? And as we work, would you bring in others to know you and love you? That the earth would be filled with people who bear your image and worship you with their whole lives. God, we pray that you would strengthen us in this work. We pray these things in your name. Amen.